Geek Counter Geek is up next. But first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Espresso. French press. Mocha. Frappuccinos. None of these will be discussed, but all will be used on Caffeinated Comics. It's a weekly podcast about comics, movies, TV, and collectibles, hosted by a former comic book store owner and an ex-comedian. What a resume. Sometimes there's special guests. Sometimes it's just us reporting the latest geek news and arguing, like why I love cable. And why you're wrong about that. So join us each week on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network for superpowers and caffeine. Remember when you made those cappuccinos? Yeah, that whole day's a whole blur. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Let's get started. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. This is Geek Counter Geek. Geeks! With Misty Callahan and Keith Conrad. Well, maybe it's one of those other shows, like Outer Limits. Confuse the Twilight Zone with the Outer Limits? Do you even know me? This is episode number 150. Wow, just 150. Cranking these babies out. Can you believe that? Oh. I'm Keith Conrad and I'm at Misty. Keith R. Conrad on Twitter. And I'm Misty Callahan at Misty A. Callahan. And you can also follow the show because we're back. Yay! Yay! At Geek Counter Geek on Twitter. And uh, so this weekend, uh, you and I, Misty, mm-hmm. uh, we saw. Well, I I don't know. How well, to describe. listen, listen. It is Oscar season, and I just want to talk about one of the greatest tragedies for the last couple of years. It's the snubbing of the man who killed Hitler and the Bigfoot. Uh, I don't know that that was a snubbing. It was a snubbing, and it shows how deep that this snubbing is going because this movie came out in 2018 and they still haven't nominated for anything people injustice i say i i would hope it was nominated for a razzie or two i don't know maybe i don't know but so anyway we were kind of you know putzing around uh the streaming service and then it came across the screen and i'm like sam elliott is in this how bad could it possibly be Turns out pretty bad. I, listen, listen. The plot is intriguing, I guess. So basically what it is is Sam uh, Elliott, he plays this uh, disgruntled uh, ex-soldier who secretly killed Hitler. Um, By the way, it, it's, it's worth pointing out that I didn't realize this until I looked at the Wikipedia page mm-hmm. for the movie. It's actually supposed to take place in 1987. Ah, okay. I didn't, I didn't really, even notice that. I didn't notice it either. So I, I guess that makes sense because the guy's like, Still alive and able yeah. to do things. To do things, yeah. So basically, uh, the government comes to him after because they heard, like, "Oh, you know, you killed Hitler. We need your skills to kill Bigfoot because apparently Bigfoot is carrying this virus that could wipe out all of humanity." Um, a lot. Some people on the Twitter, um, you know, when I kind of mentioned on Twitter that we were watching this, you know, some people were like, "Oh, I love that movie. It's a great slow burn." Um, I, I, I guess um, that what made it rather enjoyable, I think, it w- would be Sam Elliott. I don't think you could have pulled that movie off as well as it did. And that's saying something with any other actor. I really don't. Well, I actually think it, it wouldn't have been that bad. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have emerged from it saying, what in the hell did we just watch? Um, if so, so at the end of the movie, spoiler alert... 
uh, he's in the woods chasing for Bigfoot. And then uh, he shoots Bigfoot, and Bigfoot sort of, like, plays dead. Mm-hmm. And then as he's he's getting ready to burn Bigfoot's corpse, um, Bigfoot comes back to life mm-hmm. and uh, hurts him quite severely. Mm-hmm. But he ultimately shoots Bigfoot in the head, and, and, and Bigfoot is dead. And mm-hmm. humanity is saved, yay. Mm-hmm. And then we flash to a scene that's basically his funeral. Mm-hmm. suggesting that Bigfoot hurt him badly enough that he died. Well, I thought it was because, you know, spoiler alert, during the fight scene with Bigfoot, Bigfoot vomited on him. Now, I was thinking because Bigfoot was carrying this deadly virus that could kill all of humanity, that's what I thought happened. I thought he was infected because Bigfoot vomited on him. Could be, could be, um, yeah. I, I assumed, because uh, apparently Bigfoot kind of ripped his ear off. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I assumed that, uh, that that was, you know, he was just so injured that, mm-hmm. that uh, he ended up uh, ended up dying. But then he shows up again. Yeah. So, so that actually made zero sense to me. Mm-hmm. Because what, if you're, what, why is he faking his own death? Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. And he still lives in the all. same house and all of it. So, yeah, the ending was a little strange. It was a little strange. And, and, and then at, at the end, like, he asks what, uh, what they buried, mm-hmm. you know, in the, uh, in, in the casket. Mm-hmm. And he mentions that there was this box that was under his bed that they buried. And um, for some reason, he goes and digs it up. Mm-hmm. And then it takes the, it home. Because it has uh, the the keepsakes of the woman that he wanted to no, marry. No, it doesn't, because he threw those away. Ah. So that's why they, they never explain what was in the box that mm-hmm. he actually went through the trouble of, like, digging up the grave to, to get. Mm-hmm. It just... just so, yeah, the, the, be, the most enjoyable thing about that movie was Sam Elliott. Um, so, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, let us know. Um, would you like to see a movie... Like uh, the man who killed Hitler and the Bigfoot. And if you could make your own movie just by tossing together two random and seemingly unrelated things like Hitler and Bigfoot, what would you put together? Ooh, that's a good question. A, mm-hmm. a movie mashup, if you will. Yeah, a movie mashup. That's your homework for this uh, week, ladies and jelly spoons. I I like that idea a lot. You know what else I like? Hmm. Headphones from Tweaked Audio? Headphones and accessories from Tweaked Audio, yes. Ah, very good. Quite, quite. They have eight colors and options available. Eight colors and styles available. Ah. I believe that that's the the words you're looking for. Uh, they have mic'd and non-mic'd versions. They're designed to sound great for music and talk. And they have a noise-reducing design and a lifetime warranty. So go to tweakedaudio.com and use the discount code GCG at checkout for 33% off. That's a third. Yes. A third off and free worldwide shipping. Uh, the code is not case sensitive. Sweet. Use any case you want. You can use both cases. And so there was uh, there was also in addition to the the big news that mm-hmm. that uh, that another the Oscar year once snubbed again. Uh, the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. Um, there's more news out now that apparently after years of uh, of being stalled, uh, 
and not happening, mm-hmm. uh, there's going to be a National Treasure 3. You know, and here's the thing. like, I, The interwebs melted down with this. I am going to be the person that everyone hates for a moment, and I'm just like, why? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it seems like, and I, and I did some research before mm-hmm. we, we started this, it seems like they're, they're, they've just decided to revisit every single franchise. Uh-huh. Because, you know, Bad Boys for Life yes. uh, just came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, you've got another Legally Blonde movie. We get it. She's why? dumb. Yeah, uh, she's not really dumb. She's kind of like low. Like they used to say of, of Marilyn Monroe, "Ditzy like a fox." So that's okay. probably would uh, best describe the Legally Blonde movies. Uh, then you've got yet another Fast and Furious mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Top Gun Maverick, another Ghostbusters, Bill Which, and uh, Ted, I, and I, Coming to America. I'm looking forward to Ghostbusters and Coming to America. Could be good. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, Top Gun and uh, Ghostbusters. Anything else I could I yeah. could take or leave. And then even next year, you've got uh, the Matrix coming back, Indiana mm-hmm. Jones coming. Oh back. gosh, why? You know, I swear to you, if if they like, listen, 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 listen. I know that there are some people who like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. They have terrible opinions. I'm sorry. If you like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, you have terrible opinions (laughs) because that was just awful. But so, yeah, I don't know what they're going to. I'm just so get some new ideas, Hollywood. Just get some new ideas. I'm I'm so. So that's why I was like when I heard like National Treasure 3 was coming out. I was like, why? Well, I actually uh, really liked both National Treasure movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, how, how did you feel? Uh, I like the first one. Didn't see the second one because I was like, it's one of those movies for me that really didn't need like a follow up. Yeah, I mean they they did kind of wrap everything up. So mm-hmm. so yeah, and uh, I think that when they made it, they probably didn't expect that it was going to be like a gigantic hit. Even mm-hmm. though it's Disney, and you can kind of mm-hmm. bank on those, you know, Disney yeah. movies doing pretty well. Um, I don't think they expected to, so they did kind of tell like this nice little. Self-contained mm-hmm. story, and so then they had to figure out, you know, a way to bring everybody, actually not have them together and bring mm-hmm. them back together, which I thought was really contrived and kind of forced. Mm-hmm. But I thought that uh, you know the movie itself overall was pretty good. Mm-hmm. What, what's interesting is they had a uh, a subplot that they completely eliminated from that movie, uh-huh. and I'm not sure if it would have made it better or worse because. They sort of made reference to the Knights of the Golden Circle, which was supposed to be like this this evil group in the Confederacy. Uh-huh. And the subplot that they took out was that uh, Ed Harris's character, like the villain in that movie, mm-hmm. was actually supposed to be like a member of that, which I think they sort of alluded to. But the whole point of him searching for what he was searching for, and I'm trying not to spoil it in case you actually do see it, mm. um, was that he was trying to get all the gold so that he could bring the Confederacy back. Yeah. And I'm not sure why they decided to eliminate that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, it was basically just, I want to find something too, so I'm going to kidnap all these people and, and, and make them look for, the, for the, this lost city of gold. So that I can say I found it. Um, and, and it was... That wasn't so great. 
Whereas, I don't know how feasible it is mm-hmm. that, you know, some guy wants to bring back the Confederacy in, mm-hmm. what was it, like 2005? Yeah. Probably not all that feasible, but hey, neither is a treasure map on the back of the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. See, and, and that is why I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> but, but like I said, it, it was still, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if you didn't put all that much thought into it, especially mm-hmm. while you were watching it. That's fine. It, Listen, I will movie. I will be happy to be the person right now that everyone is hating as they listen to this right now. Your hatred feeds me. I live off of your <laughs> hatred. I have no interest in seeing National Treasure 3. But that's well, fine. I, I, you you I told me you, I'm going to go. Yeah, so that's true. fine. <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> this, I, this is fine. They, they haven't announced a release date, so I don't know when it'll be. But mm-hmm. Well, maybe, maybe it'll be like around a time when... Uh, I don't know, like, my family's in town, and my, my brother and dad and I can go listen, see Listen, we'll go, and, but I'm just like, listen, I'm like, not going to be like, wee, like, you know, going to see Black Widow when that comes out. I'm totally going to be, like, squealing like a little girl going into that. Right. So. Th- this would be one where uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to see something else. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know what we don't know when this is coming out. So yeah, there there will be some movie that I don't want to see that that, that you are totally gonna get to dragged go see. to yeah. see. Yeah, but don't worry, I'm not like one of those girls who really like romance films or whatever. I'm very particular about that. So probably some weird, strange like vampire movie or something like that. Oh, I can live with that. So yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, quite. So my my question for you and. Uh, for you, Misty, in the audience. Uh-huh. Um, so in the first movie, they stole the Declaration of Independence. Yes. Because there was a super secret map thing mm-hmm. hidden on the back. Yes, yes. Uh, in the second movie, they um, they kidnapped the president. Okay. Which it was kind of a weak kidnapping because he let him go right away. Just kinda, he just kind of dragged him into private and asked him a question and then let him go. Mm. So it wasn't much of a kidnapping, but it did make the FBI want to chase after him. So okay. That, so that was good. Uh, they sort of alluded to, like, maybe an Area 51 sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, in that one, uh, what do you think they're going to steal in National Treasure 3? Daniel Boone's raccoon hat. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um... You know, if there was an Area 51 angle, that might make it interesting. Well, it's interesting because, you know, if they did do that, it would be a little like... It would be more sci-fi kind yeah, of. Yeah, it would be a little Crystal Skullish in yeah. that. But I know. think that they could probably pull it off a little bit better because, like, when you went that Crystal Skull route, it kind of, like, kind of, like, shat on the, you know, legacy of Indiana Jones. I mean, I just, it was just so bad. It was so bad. They could yeah. have done, like, the crystal alien skulls a little bit better, I guess. Um, but just kind of like... Well, and yeah. being that, that okay. Disney actually does make the National Treasure movies, mm-hmm. and they now own the Indiana Jones Because they own franchise. everything. Because they do own everything. They'll probably buy this podcast next week. Hey, if they want to... They'll be like, here's 20 bucks. Give us your podcast. <laughs> um... I, I I don't think that they actually would go for an Area 51 alien sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to turn out to be something, you know, the the uh, the first one was obviously like the Founding Fathers. Mm-hmm. 
The second one was Civil War era. Like it all. It, Maybe it's like they yeah. steal the Alamo. Ooh, yeah. Or, or maybe, I don't know, Nazi gold or something. Or just uh, out west, you know, like the westward. Oh. So let uh, us know uh, on Twitter, at Geek Counter Geek, or, uh, or hit one of us up uh, individually. Mm-hmm. What do you think they're going to steal mm-hmm. in National Treasure 3? Yeah. Aside from our hearts. Aww. And please support the podcast at patreon.com slash geekcountergeek, where you can get uh, access to all sorts of uh, bonus episodes and uh, maybe, maybe a few written things if, uh, if we feel like uh, spitting them out. But uh, we've got, uh, got you mm-hmm. uh, watching Battlestar Galactica for the first time. Yes. And, uh, and me watching uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Yes. For the first time, the TV show, not the movie. <laughs> I, I saw. I literally saw one scene of the movie, uh-huh. and, and that like, was no. enough. Like <laughs> we, we were only like halfway through the series at that point, and I was yeah. like, "They have they have completely ruined this." Yeah. Well, so, but, so definitely uh, support us at Patreon because we are aspiring artists, and we definitely also want to help other aspiring artists. And to help us do that, we are going to start bringing in some uh, other people with experience in writing and art and comic books and such and so as that is being said i am so so happy to introduce our guest jacob airy he's a texan nerd and he's a published author he's a movie review blogger and you can find his movie reviews and his comic reviews and everything at jacob blog and you can also find him at studio jake on youtube what's up jacob Hi, thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you so much. This is so awesome because me and Keith, um, we are also working on our own personal projects. I'm trying to kick off an indie comic book. Keith is actually in the midst of trying to publish his very first novel. Um, And so we're kind of like at an impasse right now. Um, I'm trying to kind of put together a 12-page story to make into a comic book form. So we definitely wanted to bring in some other people that could maybe share some wisdom and some tidbits um, of their own journey, you know, publishing or doing art and whatnot. And I see that you've already published two books. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and fun fact for your listeners, um, Misty was actually the first guest I ever interviewed <laughs> on on Studio Jake. Woo! We talked about being, because uh, you were... Uh, doing in production and stuff and we talked because yes. I was doing a, a woman's month thing where I was interviewing different women in the media industry and you were the first person I interviewed so oh, but anyway <laughs> memories and now you're the first yeah, creator yeah. that we've interviewed yes oh well there you go <laughs> <laughs> so but, uh, but anyway, well the first one cacophony um it was uh written as kind of a supernatural thriller uh paranormal fiction it's about uh, angels and demons, and uh, what I call the the seven archangels, which I use a lot of uh, of oh, what's the word like I hate to, I guess I hate to use this one, but it's the best thing I think of a lot of demonology mm-hmm. uh, for through uh, theologians and whatnot, and it's really about faith versus fear. And that one was interesting because the publishing company New Life Publishing. Mm-hmm. I was their first ever fiction book. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, it was that was a fun that was a fun experience because and I want to be clear, they were absolutely amazing. The publishers, the editors, they were mm-hmm. so incredible to work with. 
Yeah, because they didn't really know how to market me because I was fiction and they had only done nonfiction before. Mm-hmm. And that was my second book, The Seven Worlds, All Good Things, which is inspired by my favorite fairy tales. And of course, I had to change some of the names uh-huh. because of trademark issues with Disney. Yeah. But uh, it's about seven uh, uh, worlds, as I call them. They get scattered out, and their leader, he gets, he's actually immune to magic, so he has to get put in stasis. Mm-hmm. And wakes up ten years, and they uh, ten years later to save their land from an evil mage, and then an emperor who is actually uh, Midas from the famous King Midas story, Golden mm-hmm. Touch. Yeah. And uh, they have to save their homeland from them, and it's about them coming together and going on this journey. They're all very different people. It's <laughs> really hard to write mm-hmm. seven protagonists. <laughs> yeah. As you can probably imagine, but I worked with a Buzz Publishing who also were fantastic. I had a great cover artist, uh, Rebecca Shapiro. She did an amazing job with, with the cover and with the back and uh, really brought it together. And so those are uh, that's basically the books uh, summed up. My uh, wife actually designed the cover for my first book, Cacophony, and she did an amazing job uh, with that as well. So did you actually go like the traditional publishing route uh, rather than self-publishing? And why, why did you uh, go the way you did? With self-publishing, um, I it's just what is expensive, and if you can get a traditional publisher, it's free. They do all the work for you, minus a lot of the marketing, so especially if you're using a smaller publisher, you have to do the marketing yourself. Mm-hmm. But uh, I won't say my, yourself, but you really have to put yourself out there. You can't just hide and wait for the publisher to send stuff to trade magazine. But, um, but I went the traditional way because... Um, like I said, it was expensive, and I thought about doing GoFundMe, but no one really knows Jacob Airy. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's different about books these days? If the book has a good title and a good uh, summary on the dust jacket, you could get it sold pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But uh, nowadays, nowadays you really have to brand your um, you writing your story. You have to put it out there, and so I went the traditional publishing lakes i thought it would be um a little bit simpler and then maybe once people know more about my writing then i probably will do self-publishing and this is kind of a a snobby reason Mm -hmm. but one of the reasons i went with traditional is people unless you're an established writer a lot of people look down on you if you're a Mm self-published author which i think like i said i think that's snobbery but right now uh it's kind of changed recently Mm -hmm. but there's still like this thing where people think it has prestige if it's from a traditional mm-hmm. publisher and in some ways that's that's true because it helps you when you when they say oh are you a self-published writer and you're like no i actually did a tra- did it traditionally and they're like oh I'll, buy, I'll be happy to help you push it out there and buy, i'll even buy a copy for you to sign like it's it's a weird <laughs> conversation to have <laughs> Uh, how long ago did you uh, did you write these two books? Well, Cacophony I actually wrote when I was 16, and I revisited it when I was in college. Um, it was, it, that one only took me maybe six months to write. It's, it's short. It's a novella. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, it was shorter. Seven Royals, it actually took me three years to write because I went through, I wasn't, yeah, it, that was completely my, my fault because I was, an upstart, and so I was thinking, oh, I don't need to do all these lame practices that other authors 
did or wanted or or they say is important because I'm I'm young and I can do whatever I want. Big mistake. Yeah. Um, I really think if I like, for instance, creating an outline, mm-hmm. uh, the seven royals all good things. I didn't have an outline for it, and so I would get confused. I would forget things, um, and beta readers would tell me, "Hey, some of this stuff is inconsistent." Mm-hmm. And so it ha- and so then so for the sequel, I'm writing it with an outline, and it's made my life. A hundred times easier. <laughs> oh, so you are writing a sequel as we speak right now. Yes, it's meant to be the first in a trilogy. Oh, wow. That sounds so awesome. So so that brings me to my next question. So for other aspiring our, um, writers that are listening to us right now, like what are some tips that you can give them in your writing process that has made things easier for you outside of just the outline? And what are some things you wish you had learned, you know, prior to publishing your first book? Like... This is this one is pretty uh, pretty basic, but I, I want to throw it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, this another author told me this, and I really appreciate the advice. Read the genre you want to write, mm-hmm. not to steal other people's work. Obviously, don't do that. That's very bad. Mm-hmm. But just to get an idea of the genre. So read like it, for me, fantasy. So I read a lot of C.S. Lewis. I read a lot of J.R. Tolkien. I even read some some anime mangas that were fantasy bent. Mm-hmm. Um, to get an just to get an idea of the feel of the genre, um, outside of outlining, I would read craft books. Oh. Again, young upstart, I was very arrogant, mm-hmm. but I don't need other people's advice. No, silly, silly, silly. <laughs> there, there, a lot of a lot of writers uh, have written stuff on the craft of writing, and I've gotten gleaned such great wisdom from them. Uh, Brandilyn Collins, who's one of my favorite writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, the, the name of the book escapes me, but she wrote Brandilyn Collins. She wrote a great book on uh, on storytelling. There's another book called The Art and Craft of Storytelling. I highly recommend that one. If you're into sci-fi and fantasy, Orson Scott Card, mm-hmm. who wrote Ender's Game, he actually has a really great book on writing fantasy fiction. So definitely look, read craft books. Get a subscription to Writer's Digest, at least in your first year as a writer. Because mm-hmm. then if you don't have time because you have a job or whatever, you don't have time to read a full book, get a subscription to Writer's Digest and uh, and read that whole year because it's just articles and interviews with other authors. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely do that. Also, make a playlist. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that I write better whenever I'm listening to music. Mm-hmm. Um, now... Andrew Clavin, who I previously worked with, he disagrees. He doesn't <laughs> listen to music because he says he starts to write the music he's listening to. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he has a different experience, obviously. My experience is when I'm writing a romantic scene, I listen to more romantic mu- yeah. music. and Or if I have to do a lot of scenes, I listen to a Mod Podge. Don't listen to anything sad, mm-hmm. even if you're writing a sad scene, because it'll make you not want to write. Yeah. I don't know why, but that <laughs> is my experience. So don't listen to American Pie while you're trying to write a Victoria <laughs> scene. Um, you know, that's, listen to good, upbeat, pop rock music mm-hmm. if you can. Well, that's a good tip. Uh, you know, for me, it hasn't been so much uh, reading, uh, you know, like craft books about writing. It's actually been uh, scouring YouTube because there's so many writers that actually have their own YouTube channel. That, like, oh yeah, absolutely. yeah. I mean, you, you can you can find so many so many tips that way. And also, uh, see Robert Cargill's uh, podcast um, uh, Ride Along is actually really good too. 
Yes, and I also recommend watching interviews with writers um, because I I don't know what it is, but you sit a writer down, and there's some. I I do it too. Mm -hmm. You just want to spill your secrets, and so um, definitely uh, Stephen King is notorious for this. He'll just sit down and just blast, blurt out all of his all of his (laughs) techniques and style and stuff. So. I, uh, he has a great craft book called On Writing. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend that one as well. But uh, but you can probably get it on Audible as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I highly uh, so yeah I totally agree. Let's uh, definitely listen to YouTube for those kinds of techniques as well. Well, that sounds absolutely awesome. And yeah, I highly recommend YouTube. You can find anything on YouTube. Um, I did want to pick your brain a little bit because at least for me, I come across like what I call artist's block and I know writers have writer's block. So do you have any tips for any uh, aspiring writers who want to break through writer's block? Like how have you dealt with it? Because I know everybody deals with just like your ideas just get all mushed up in your head and you feel like you can't get them out. What, well, actually, I started a blog. Ah. When, when I, uh, that's my uh, jacobberry.blog, as you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. When I have writer's block, I blog. That way, I'm still writing. Mm-hmm. If you have writer's block, um, I, um, I, it may be different from art for artists. But one thing, too, and I know this sounds really silly, and I won't tell you who I write for but because I don't want to get sued. But I also write fan fiction. Oh, okay. Um, I know that sounds I know that sounds really juvenile, but whenever I have writer's block, mm-hmm. I pick out one of my favorite fictional characters and I write a short story with them in a situation or a circumstance I would like to see. Mm-hmm. That to me, I find that that jumpstarts your creativity a little bit, mm-hmm. and then you're like, oh wait, I can use some of these ideas in the book I'm writing. Ah. So uh, I I highly recommend you that. Just so basically, I'm saying stay proactive. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I've heard that, that if you write run into writer's block, just write something, no matter what it is, and right. that'll, that'll help. Bad poetry that you'll never publish, love sonnets, whatever, just write. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is so amazing. Well, we don't want to keep you for too long because I'm sure you have a, a, your own life to attend to, but we really do <laughs> appreciate you, Jacob, for taking the time to join us. Before we let you go, though, tell our listeners like where they can find you on social media, where they can buy your books everything give us the deets you can find uh my movie reviews and comic book reviews and stuff on my blog it's jacobary.blog that's j-a-c-o-b-a-i-r-e-y dot b-l-o-g you can find me on twitter and instagram it's the same at real jacob airy facebook is author jacob airy and you can find my book on blindsandnobles.com amazon of course it's downloadable for apple books and kobo so you can definitely get there. But if, if you want to buy it directly from my publisher, it's bookwalker.com. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jacob. Thank you. I'm so, I was so excited to come on. Oh, thank you so much. Woohoo! The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Gabatron?